You know, I grew up in a small town uh, about 90 miles from here, a small town called Ashland. My father's name was Calvin Coolidge Sims. He's in heaven now, but he was named after the president, I guess, that when he was born. He was a pharmacist in that little town, and the other pharmacist in town was named John Adams. So it's like the presidents owned the pharmacies. And uh, anyway, a small town pharmacy at the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains can be a real trip. It really is. There are a lot of people in the area that, at least back in the day, didn't, didn't want to go to the doctor, couldn't afford to, or, or just didn't want to go to the doctor, afraid of those things like shots and things like that. So they would come in the drugstore, and they would ask my dad. They'd call him Doc. Hey, Doc, uh, what do I need to do for so-and-so? They felt they could buy something over the counter or, or perhaps, um, you know, a home remedy that he might know about. And he was prepared to do those things. So um, one, one day, uh, a guy came in and said, hey, Doc, hey, look at this. And he pulls his pant leg up, and, and there's this terrible scrape on, on his calf, just terrible. And um, said, man, this thing has really bothered me. It won't go away. Uh, is there anything you can do th- to help me? So my dad immediately he, he started thinking, and he, he went and he, he got a bottle of something off the shelf called Fisahex. Does anybody remember Fisahex? Okay. Fisahex used, used to be around. It was, used to be over the counter back in the days. It's uh, hexachlorophene antibiotic soap. And uh, antibacterial soap. It's, it's pretty strong. And uh, so dad got that and he typed up a little label to put on it and slapped on there. And, it, and he sat down with the guy and he said, look, this is what you do. You, you, you use two tablespoons of Fisahex on a, on a wet cloth and you bathe the wound and then you rinse it off and you do that twice a day. The guy goes, man, thank you so much. So he got the, the, the soap and he left and a few days later, like about five days later, his wife came in with a prescription from the doctor. And he went down there and said, hey, uh, how's he doing? How's that wound healing? She said, well, he's in the hospital. Oh, I'm sorry. What happened? Well, he took those two tablespoons of Fisahex just like you told him to. And he said his stomach hurt so bad he just didn't know. He just couldn't handle it. He's at the doctor. Yes, he ingested four tablespoons of Fisahex soap per day. This is not a good thing. (laughs) Now, why did that happen? Because he didn't follow the directions. Dad said, well, didn't he read the directions? Oh, he he doesn't like to read stuff. He remembered what you said. Oh, yeah? (laughs) He remembered? (laughs) Well, directions are essential. Would you agree? Reading the directions, guys, even us, directions are essential. Uh, Several weeks ago, Pastor Jay began a series called Essentials. In our world, it's it's sort of unsettled. Uh, He said it's sort of like the snow globe where the little uh, pieces of snow are trying to fall to the ground and trying to settle. We're trying to settle things down. It's an important thing for us to, to determine what the essentials are so that we don't get messed up in the stuff that got us in the mess in the first place. What are the essentials? So, so far in our, in our study, we have covered three essentials. Grace, grace, both receiving it and giving it. We, we talked about the Holy Spirit being essential. So totally essential. God living in us. That's incredible. 
We talked about God's mission. Last week was so inspiring to me, having the missionaries that are on their way to Ecuador who, who said, um, we've counted the cost and we, we're, willing with the, we're willing to endure the risk and we're going anyway. It's incredible. They're on God's mission and how essential it is for every one of us to have the mission of God in our life. And today, we're going to talk about another essential, the Word of God. If I were to ask everyone in the room, is the Bible important to you? I would imagine you would say so. Maybe online. If I ask you, is the Bible important to you? What what would you say? What would you say? Does it show in the life you live that the Bible is important to you? 79% of all Americans, according to stats, say they are knowledgeable of the Bible. 79%. But less than half of those can name the first books of the Bible at all. You know, the Bible is essential. Why is the Bible essential? That's really the question we want to ask. Why is the Bible essential? Well, here's my first point. I've got three points. Here's the first one. The Bible is God's primary plan to reveal himself. Has anybody ever heard of the word deist or heard somebody say I'm a deist anybody ever said that it's sort of a a, a popular thing now a deist let me read to you what the definition of deism is okay deism is the belief in the existence of a supreme being and a creator who does not interact with humankind or intervene in the workings of the universe people that are deist believe there is a God hey I believe in God there's a God He's he's up there. But they don't want anything to do with him or they don't think he has anything to do with us. There's a separation between God and humanity. But folks, that is not our God. Our God from the very beginning has wanted to give himself away to us, has wanted to reveal himself to us. It's important. He says that. He wants us to know who he is. And he has revealed himself. Now, how has he done that? How does he reveal himself? Well, a lot of ways. He has revealed himself. Even a deist would agree with this. He has revealed himself in creation. He has. I mean, folks, you can look around. You can tell the earth is just too important, too amazing, too complicated to be an accident. Come on, you can look around and see God in nature and creation all over the place. The scripture tells us that. Look at what the scripture says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his power and divine nature have been clearly seen, understood by what has been made so that people are without excuse. The Bible says creation itself is proof of God's existence. How about, how about the Bible tell us about our creator in Isaiah 44? This is what the Lord says. Your redeemer, the one who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretched out the heavens and spreads out the earth all by myself. <laughs> yes, we see God in creation. We see. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so. God also reveals himself ultimately and most magnificently in Jesus Christ. He does. He reveals himself in Jesus. But here's the problem. I mean, Jesus only lived 33 years on this earth in a tiny little country over 2,000 years ago 
How do we know this incredible Jesus that God reveals himself through? The Bible. The Bible is the one that tells us his story of who he is and where he came from and what he's about. God's greatest revelation of mankind is revealed to us through the Bible. We also know that God reveals us to, uh, uh, himself to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us how the Holy Spirit works. The Bible tells us about God's gifts and how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit and how to speak the things of God and how God's Spirit works and how He works amazing things among us. God is the one through the Bible that we have that revelation. The Bible tells us that God wants to reveal himself to us. The Bible is where it begins. That's where God reveals himself to us. I want you to look at 2 Peter chapter 1. This is incredible to me. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now listen. Through these, he has given us great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. The Bible is our divine promise. These are the promises that God says, I can live supernaturally in you and through you, through this, this incredible thing we call the Bible. So we know that God reveals himself to us, we know through creation, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And how did he tell us about it? In this book, the Bible. It's the truth. It's the truth around us. It's, it's our key to the past, present, future, to the world around us. It, it tells us things that are immovable, things that are eternal, things that are necessary, things that are bigger than ourselves. That's what this Bible tells us. That's the truth. I like, to, um, I like to think of the Bible as an anchor to the truth. The Bible becomes our anchor. It keeps us from our mind from going all over the place, our belief systems and our conduct from just going everywhere and believing anything that happens. This is our anchor. It's an anchor that holds firm. It holds us in place. It's our guardrail to the truth Every word of it is true, and it is truth. Here's the second point. The Bible is God's primary plan of transformation. A few years ago, there was this study done by these guys in, uh, of a thousand churches in all kind of different denominational places. And uh, they discovered through this, they were studying how discipleship works, how people learn to walk with God, how people learn to, to follow Christ, and how effective it is. And this is what they found out in the study, that the churches that put the most emphasis on engaging people in the Bible itself did the best job of teaching people how to walk with God. Listen, it's the truth. Engaging yourself in the Word of God makes the biggest difference you want to have a difference made in your life? It's not how many sermons you listen to or how many podcasts you listen to, but it's God's Word being put inside of you. 
It's God's word that speaks to us, that speaks to us completely and totally and wholly. God's word. You know, at Kingwood, we talk a lot about your personal devotions. And I'm glad we do because all we're trying to do is saying outside of this church meeting, outside of this sermon I'm preaching to you, I want to encourage you to to open up the Bible, to read it for yourself, to read it. What translation? Doesn't matter. Read it. Just read it and let it start doing something inside of you. Let it start taking apart your heart and moving around it and, and you wrestle with it and maybe you don't understand it but it's in that wrestling and then trying to figure out how am I going to apply that to myself that it begins to change us and that's the truth that's why those daily devotionals with God are so important that we talk about it changes you it changes the way you think it changes the way you see God it does look at what the scripture says in Hebrews 4 For the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than the sharpest sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we're accountable. This this word can go deep inside of you and dig up things that you never dreamed were there and free you from bondages that you didn't know you had. That's the power of God's word. Hey, that's up front and personal. It is. Look at what else the scripture says. 2 Timothy 3. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful in one way or another, showing us truth, exposing rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we're put together and shaped for the task God has for us. Incredible. That's what God's word does in us. Earlier I told you I I like the the Bible as an anchor. Well, I like seeing the Bible also as a lamp, as a light to show us how to walk, not in darkness but in the light. I like what the Scripture says. We read it for ourselves. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So the Word of God is essential. Yes, yes. It is an anchor, anchoring us to the truth of God revealing himself to us. It is a light on the path so that we can be transformed and begin to walk and talk and be like Jesus. And here's the third point. The Bible is God's primary plan for protection. Protection? Why do we need protection? Who who do we need protection from? (laughs) Hey, listen. We live in a world full of lies where Satan, the father of lies, is out trying to work on our minds and our hearts and getting us to believe a lie. See, this is how Satan works. Satan works, first of all, with your mind. He realizes he can go into the mind, and if you have wrong thinking and wrong thinking about the father and wrong thinking about each other and wrong thinking about your circumstances, he's got you exactly where he wants you, and he can take you down. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden. You understand, he, he came to the Garden of Eden, and he, and he said, you don't have to worry about that tree. God, God didn't mean for you not to eat from that tree. He's just telling you that. Because he knows if you eat from that tree, you'll be as smart as he is. Come on, be enlightened. It's like God is like behind a curtain, you know. It's like 
Satan's trying to paint God behind a curtain like the Wizard of Oz where he's just pulling these little things. He looks bigger than he is, but you're, he's going to pull the curtain back and let you see God for who he really is. Are you kidding? That's the lie. If he can work in the mind and get us to believe lies, things that are not true about ourselves, about our Father, he's got us where he wants us. Hey, that's exactly how Satan attacked Jesus when he was in the garden, I mean, in the uh, desert during the temptation. He, Jesus was hungry. He was thirsty. He was fasting. He was in, in hot desert. He was weak. He was in that place, and Satan comes and begins to try to get him to doubt what his father said, to try to, to mess up his understanding of what the father wanted. And it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. You could bring attention to yourself if you would do this, if you would do that. He began to try to work with Jesus' mind. And how did Jesus respond to it? All three times Jesus answered the same way. It is written, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, right? It is also written, don't put your Lord God to the test. It is written, worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. What did Jesus do when he was attacked? He went to the word of God. He quoted the scriptures. He quoted this. Because it's powerful. The Word of God is powerful to us. Jesus said, hey, wait, Satan. My Father doesn't operate that way. It is written. And he told him the truth. You want to mess the devil up? Just quote the truth to him. Just tell him the truth. Tell him the truth and he'll flee. Yes, the Bible tells that one story about God. It's all true. It's all the truth. It's God word that, God's word that challenges us. It challenges our assumptions, our misunderstandings, and battles the lies that he throws at us. You know, I, I like to see the Bible not just as an anchor and as a lamp, but I like to see it as a sword. Really, I love to see it as a sword. We need more than just a defensive weapon. We need an offensive weapon, and Jesus showed us the offensive weapon. I'm telling you, you, you study God's Word, you quote the Word of God, and Satan cannot handle it. It's just the truth. So why is the Bible essential? <laughs> well, with, without the Bible, you don't have a revelation of God. Without the Bible, you don't have any transformation personally. And without the Bible, you have no protection against the enemy. It's no wonder people want to try to tell you the Bible isn't true. Just like I need water and shelter and food and air, I need God's Word to build my life around. I need God's Word in my life. I need an anchor to be firmly anchored into it. I, I need a lamp on my path. I need a sword in my hand so I can live my life for Him. The Word of God is so essential. You know, our world is filled with, with Christian skeptics who want to tell you that the Bible's not true or parts of it are not. And, and they try to somehow undermine your trust in what God's Word is. God's Word doesn't try to find a place where you find the proof of the Bible. The Bible just states the truth. The Bible states the truth. The Bible tells us what the truth is. And does it take faith to believe that? Absolutely. You have to trust the Bible just like you trust Jesus to be your Savior. But I want to tell you something. The Word of God 
is going to outlast every skeptic that ever happened on the face of the earth. He's, it's going to outlast. In fact, that's exactly what's happened. There's one of my favorite stories in the whole world. There, there was a guy back in the um, 17th and 18th centuries, a uh, French philosopher, playwright, writer, rich guy named Voltaire. Voltaire, oh, he was, he was actually one of the most popular men in the world in his time. Uh, Voltaire, uh, a weird-looking dude, Voltaire was one of those, one of those people who, he was, he, was, he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God at all. And he used every way he could to undermine the Bible, the Word of God. Voltaire had, um, he, he said the Bible doesn't make sense. And, and he, he said that as if it was the most important thing that had ever happened. He also said a lot of good stuff, by the way. Sometimes people say good stuff. Let me tell you something Voltaire said that was good. He said, if you want to know who controls you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. Well, that's, that's effective today. Voltaire also said this, the more stupidity is repeated, the more it begins to have the appearance of wisdom. Oh, Yeah. But he really thought a lot of himself. He thought a lot of his own mind. And this is what he wrote when he was an older man. The sun is quickly setting on the influence of this relic of antiquity. Speaking of the Bible. Those who avail themselves to reason and light will no more read this Bible. Voltaire predicted that within a hundred years of his death, the Bible would be relegated to a museum. I'll tell you something. About 50 years after Voltaire died, his big mansion in Geneva, Switzerland, became the home of the French Bible Society, and they print Bibles in it today. Isaiah 40, verse 8 is correct. The grass withers and wildflowers fade. But our God's word stands firm and forever. It is important to us that we understand how essential this is. Sometimes we find ourselves trying to pick the Bible apart and decide what we think about it. Folks, the Bible picks us apart. The Bible judges us. It's not for us to judge the Bible. Sometimes it's hard to apply the Bible to our lives. Because it may say things that don't fit our culture, that don't fit what common ideas are. It's always been that way. There have always been detractors from the Bible that try to turn people away from it. But folks, this Bible is still powerful and it still stands. And I promise you one day, even though we will not understand everything, but there's no way you'll understand everything. Pastor Jeremy preached to the 20s, other, uh, 20-somethings the other night the most incredible message. He said, we have to trust. We have to trust God. There will never be a time we understand all everything in here. There will never be a time everything that's cloudy is all cleared up until we see the Lord. But I want to tell you what, in the meantime, you can put your trust in what God's Word says. Because God's Word will survive and it will be true. One of these days when we see Jesus, we'll see how true it all really is is today I feel like maybe whether online for those of you that are listening or for people that are here in the room today I feel like there are two challenges that God is putting before us one of those challenges is what about your what about your relationship with the Bible 
What about your relationship with the Bible? Do, do you really believe it? Well, examine your actions and you'll see if you believe it or not. Have you put your heart into the Bible? Have you, have you opened its pages and let it speak to you? I want to challenge you. Some of you need to say, God, give me a new love for your word. Lord, let me not just get your love off, uh, your word off of like posters I have in my house or little, little trinkets I have that have scriptures on them. Lord, let me dig into your word and see what you're saying to me. And I feel like today God is challenging people in the room to say, it's time to open your Bible again. And to let the Bible speak to you. And I also feel this way. I feel like today, maybe this is true for many of you that are watching online. You feel very much attacked right now by the enemy. He's messing with your mind. He's messing with your mind and he's filling your mind with with thoughts that don't belong there. With lies that make you question everything in the whole world. I want you to know that today you can go to God and say, Oh God, oh God, I want to believe you and your word. Speak your word to me. Speak your word to me. I'm going to pray for all of you. Those of you online, those of you in the room, I'm going to pray for you right now that are having a battle of the mind. Because the word of God will come and give you an anchor, will give you light, and will battle the enemy as he tries to take your mind away. Some of you are full of anxiety today because you're thinking things that might happen, that could happen, that might happen, that could happen, and that turns into that will happen, that that these are happening. And you find yourself anxious, frozen, can't move. I want to tell you, the Bible will free you. God's Word Himself will free you. The Holy Spirit today, as we pray, will free you from this. I want to ask you if you'll all stand with me. I want to ask you to stand with me, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm just going to ask you to pray right now with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father, I'm in the battle in my mind. I'm in a battle right now, God. I'm in a battle in my mind. Sometimes I'm not sure exactly what you're saying or someone else is saying or the enemy is saying. And God, I need you to straighten my heart out. God, I pray in Jesus' name, I pray that through your word and through your spirit, Jesus, you will speak to me the truth. I open myself up, Lord God, to your anchor, to your light, and to wield your sword of truth. Father, I pray your word will speak to me. God, I pray for all of those right now that are battling in their minds. Let the Word of God become alive and not just written right now. Speak that Word to them. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room who has lost their love for your Bible, for your Word, for reading your Word and applying your Word. God, I pray right now you'll renew every person in a love for your Scripture for your word. Father, I pray that you would increase the hunger. Lord, you said that your word was like bread to us, Lord. There are a lot of people in the room today, a lot of people watching online today that are starving to death. Oh, Father, let them fall in love with your word again, Jesus. With your word. Lord, let your word come alive in them. Alive in them. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.
I'm going to ask you, if you will, to join us. We're going to sing a song today. It's a song where we confess that which is true. We're going to, we're going to put our anchor down today. We're going to put our anchor down. Lord God, speak to us today out of your word.